coming back <laughs> meaning it's your first time listening in that case welcome to jewel radio and if you're back also welcome to jewel radio funny how this works <laughs> jewel radio got a got an interesting show for you today maybe a little different than how i normally roll but it's entertaining nonetheless this will be a good show all right Here's what's going to happen. We got a great interview coming up with uh, an old friend, professional wrestler Vito Tomaselli. I'll tell you more about in a second as we bring him up. And then I'm going to do some solo reviews for you today. That's right. We'll do movie and TV stuff with just me. (laughs) And you're probably wondering where Layla is. And Layla's here, but she's not here. She was not available to record when I had to record this. Uh, she was available to record, and I was not available. <laughs> so we've tried to find time together to make a show, and we've been unable to do that. But you got Vito Tomaselli coming up. We'll talk to him, and I'll do some reviews later. A couple quick things before we get into everything that's going on today. And some good reviews, too. I think some of the stuff... We're going to talk about is the new Paul McCartney special on Hulu, Clarkson's Farm, on Amazon Prime, uh, and the HBO Max movie No Sudden Move, which was shot in Detroit, and maybe a couple other things, too. We'll see how much time we have. Um, Real quickly, though, if you've missed me in the intervening weeks since I was with you last, I did appear on the Comedy Castle podcast, the official podcast of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hosted by Tom McCarthy. I was his guest. That was uh, last week's show, if you're listening to this, here in the third week of July. I was the second week of July guest, because that's a weekly show. That actually, if you don't know, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, I produce that show. The Comedy Castle Podcast. Tom does the interviews, brings, gives them to me, and I cut them together, make a show out of it. And he said, uh, I need to talk to somebody this week, and we'll talk to you. I said, that sounds great. So I told lots of fun Old stories about open mic comedy at Club Bart and just all kinds of stuff. Uh, teaching comedy, real inside, a deep dive into comedy. You'll get that with me talking to Tom McCarthy over on ComedyCastlePodcast.com. And I'll link to that, of course, on JoelRadio.net. So if you want to hear more of me talking to Tom, get that show. And that's, a, and by the way, Comedy Castle Podcast. Tons of great interviews with comedians. Uh, Tom does a really great job interviewing guys and gals. And uh, go listen to that. I mean, we've had David Tell on that show. I say we mean, meaning me as the producer. Chris Catan has been on that show. God, I'm trying to remember who else. Most of the, the, the weekly headliners come in there. We just had Isabel Hagen recently, who if you don't know, you should look her up because she was unbelievably funny at the Comedy Castle. And uh, she did a real nice interview with Tom, too, so... ComedyCastlePodcast.com. I'll be interviewing Tom in a few weeks. And Tom McCarthy, he's headlining in August, and I got an, I'll got i be interviewing him on that show, and I'll probably mention it here as well. 
and yeah, so let's let's plug. Let's talk about this interview I got today because uh, this I think is a good one. I think if you're a wrestling fan, I don't do a lot of wrestling stuff on this show. Had Mikey Gordon on a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago now, I guess it was from San Diego, and that got a real good response. A lot of people enjoyed listening to Mikey, who's quite a character. Vito, a character in his own way. Certainly uh, the stuff he's been up to, and uh, you'll hear it if you listen to the interview. Vito is a, uh, as I consider him, a Chicago wrestling legend, a recent legend. He is retired from the ring, but will come back (laughs) if you make him an offer. I think he's happy being a civilian at this point. Uh, but if you make Vito an offer, he'll come back, and he's a great wrestler. Now, uh, I know Vito from uh, wrestling at the Gathering of the Juggalos and with Insane Clown Posse, and you'll hear lots of those stories. In fact, I think one of the things that one of the things that I'll, I'll definitely be billboarding over on JoelRadio.net maybe a reason for people to listen is we talk a lot about what it's like to work with Violent J in this interview. Can you tell I pre-taped the interview? I did. Did it Mark Marin style. Pre-taped it. But still good. You'll like it. Um, but a lot about what it's like to work with him. Because Violent J is something else. He's, he's quite the character. And I have been working with him for, with and for him, <laughs> for, <laughs> and I think it's 18 years this year, 19 years, 2003. I guess that's 18, well, probably 19 if you count this year. Because the Gathering of the Juggalos is in August. And uh, I'll be at that one, too. So, uh, yeah, I've been working with Violent J a long time, so you'll hear some stories about that. And uh, just lots of stuff, and he's up to, to lots of stuff. He's got a brand-new project, which I won't spoil here. You should listen uh, and hear about that, because it does sound cool. And he was ju- just recently featured on A&E TV's WWE Most Wanted Treasures TV show. That's where they do kind of a a, 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 a American Pickers or a Pawn Stars kind of style thing where they go get wrestling memorabilia, and Vito collects that stuff. So if you want to hear about wrestling memorabilia, I talk a lot about wrestling, stay tuned, and we'll get Vito up. And uh, like I said, we got some reviews after that. And, uh, yeah, I'm just having a, a good time here talking to uh, lots of people listening to the show. A lot of people enjoyed the Bill Hildebrand show. Uh, my memorial to my mentor in comedy, Bill Hildebrand. I talked to Derek Richards and Kevin Kramis. Uh, we had Bill's memorial uh, last week, and uh, it was something else. It was fantastic. It was uh, really emotional, and um, I got up and kind of... Uh, I, I, well, I'll probably end up talking about that more at length, because I'm going to invite... I taught, saw some of my old buddies there, and I invited them on the podcast. So we'll probably talk more about that, but to anyone uh, who who listened to that show and said, uh, hey, you did a great job with that. What a great uh, tribute to Bill. Um, you know, this we're talking like Bill's friends and family, not even comics. You know, people that didn't really maybe know me, but knew Bill, and they listened, and they heard our stories, and they really enjoyed it, and uh, that means a lot to me. Um, it was definitely a tough show to do, but I, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad it's out there. I, I think what I did at, at Bill's actual memorial in live in person was quite a different uh, tribute to Bill, but I also think uh, it was worth it in its own ways, and I'll probably get to tell that story here in... Uh, in the next couple weeks on this show. But let's get to Vito Tomaselli. Let's get him on the phone. He's on the phone. He's in Chicago, Illinois somewhere. Let's uh, fire up the phones. We'll talk to him. 
and uh, we'll do some reviews when we're done with that. Let's see if he's there. Vito, you there? Vito! I'm here. It's It's been a minute, hasn't it? Uh, t- 12 years? Maybe? <laughs> years? I don't know. Have I not time. seen you in person in 12 years? Well, I was, um, I was at the Gathering of the Juggalos 2019 yeah. for the 20-year. I was there. Were you there? Did we? I don't think we saw each other there. Well, you, you know, I my wrestling involvement sort of curtailed at a point at the Gathering. But um, I'm trying to remember. I know I think the last event I worked, I know Tommy Dreamer was in the main event of the last show I worked. At the gathering. Okay, so like, that could be whenever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just drag old Tommy out whenever and just yeah. throw him in there. He shows up. Yeah, you know, there, there was a golden time that we were a part of, though. Um, I know you were obviously with them a lot longer, but I, I spent time like late 07 into 13. Okay. Where I was around them a lot. And Wait. I think I saw the peak of all the fun. <laughs> but you, I think, in a way, did more than I. I mean, as I've been with ICP since 2003, but right. I feel like you did stuff like you would go on tour and they'd have wrestling. So if anyone went to an ICP show where they had wrestling, and I know mm-hmm. they had some like nationwide tours that did that, if you were yep. on those, you were also part of the ICP show as like a clown or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was lucky in a lot of ways. One, uh, I met, I wanted to get on those shows so bad, right? Like okay. we tried so hard, and I was friends with Corp, and he tried mm-hmm. for like a year to get us on, right? Yeah. Uh, and it just couldn't, it just didn't work. Whatever it was, the story was always a story. And then we were in Philly and um, there was a lethal lottery for okay. PWU, Pro Wrestling Unplugged. It was a shoot lethal lottery. Yeah. So they sold tickets and everything else. So there was no kidding. The first guy that wins it is a juggalo. And he's like, boys with Corp. Oh, so like wow. Corp runs over and he's like, he's like, oh, it's against the Thomas Ellis. He just like screams it at this guy. No <laughs> kidding. The guy goes, uh, the, 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 uh, Thomas, you know who we were. He's like the Thomas Ellis and the ICP. So they made that match. Right? Wow. So, so we go in the back now. And at this point, you couldn't touch my brothers and I, we were like on point with everything. We, we, we were wrestling like, you know, a couple times a week, every week when no one was really doing that back then. It was hard to do. And we were doing it. So we were really polished. So we get in the back. We're putting the whole thing together. And right when we like we put the whole open kind of together and we knew our finish, you know, so then the guys come and they're like, okay, you guys are on first in five minutes. Violent J, like his face is already white because the paint, (laughs) but he legit turns white because now he's like, I don't know what we're doing and we didn't plan this. And what's the finish? So like we look at him and we go, we got you. Let's just go out there. Everything we just planned in the beginning is now the finish. We have the finish. So just tie that at the end. He's like, what? And, and all of a sudden their music's playing. That's how much time we have. Wow, and okay. that's what we discuss. So like we go out there, no big deal. We'll, you know, we'll own it. It's Philly. The crowd's, you know, live. We have Violent J out there to play off of, right? It's easy, right? So we go out there and we fucking kill it. We just absolutely kill it, right? And we come in the back and it's normal after a match. Like, hey, good job. This good job. He comes in the J comes in the back and he's a presence, right? And he comes in the back and he, and he just goes, man, where have you guys been hiding? Oh, <laughs> man, where you guys been hiding? He's like, you guys are so, you guys are so dope. Oh my God. I can't believe where, where you, Corp, why you been hiding these guys? And he's like, I tried a year ago to get these guys in. And then at that point he goes, are you guys free next weekend? And we're like, well, we'll make ourselves free. Yeah. And five years later, we, I saw every state in the continental U.S. because of them. Yeah. You know, no, that's, and, uh, that's great. And he, you know, I think you really, when you started doing your Violin J impression, I can, you can just hear when you've been around him and he's enthusiastic for something. Yeah, it's pretty, it's yeah. pretty special. I got to say, he uh, really, you know he, he really makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world. He's real good really, at that. In that moment. 
Look, at, now I haven't worked with him on a level of doing like business where him and I are creating and doing business. And I, I, I know he can be cutthroat like anybody can, mm-hmm. but I think that's in anybody's nature. And I, I would be a hypocrite if I said anything different. But I'll tell you what, right now, when he puts all that to the side and everything in business to the side, he looks you dead in your eyes and he talks to you. You are the only thing that matters. Yeah. And it is special. Yeah. And I can't tell you what I learned. I got to sit on a tour bus in one city somewhere where we were at. Everybody was jagging off for the day. And he's out by his bus and we're just BSing. And he says something about there's a new NWA documentary he bought at Walmart the night before. He's like, you want to watch it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, yes. So like I sat on his bus with him for like a two hour documentary, just watching NWA. And he kept pausing it and would tell me other cool stuff that was going on at the time. And it was like, uh, it was like, watching a rap documentary with a historian on rap. Yeah, music. that's amazing. Yeah, Violent J, you have your moments with him mm-hmm. uh, where sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, you don't really talk to him or whatever. But we were doing a van ride to Philly one night for a show, and I was driving the van, and he, you know, at a rest area, he jumps in my van. Like, you know, okay. I'm, 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 I'm driving the B team, and he's in his own yep. thing, you know. And he just decides to jump in my van, and Mikey Clark sitting in there, or their producer with us, and uh, and I go, well, I, I brought some CDs. And meanwhile, I've got, you know, this amazing producer and, you know, Violin J going to listen to my musical stuff. <laughs> and Violin J's like, what did you bring? And I go, I brought a Harry Nielsen album, and I brought Billy Joel's The Stranger. And he goes, wow. put that shit on. And like wow. the three of us listened to these Billy Joel and Harry Nielsen records. And he was into it. He loved it. Wow. So that was really cool. You know, that's a cool story. Like people think like, oh, this this, you know, shitty rapper loves stuff. And it's like, first of all, he's a good rapper. The producer is an unbelievable musical he's genius. Kid Rock. I exactly. mean, Mikey Clark and, is no joke. And, <laughs> and Violent J has really diverse taste in music. That's pretty no, I, cool. I, I'll say know? this much. I'll say this much about him, man. I, uh, you know, he told me something one time that just it made everything make sense about, about psychopathic records. So we're sitting there and he's talking to me about they just filmed that twisted video. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Right. Yeah. And he's telling me all about it. And we did this. We make horror movies into music. And, you know, you know, because I, I was trying to I don't know how it came up, but it came up some way about did, did he feel like because of the themes of his music that they are held back? You yeah. Know? And he went into this thing where he goes, well, people like the movie Saw. You're allowed to go to see the movie Saw Friday night and leave it. Go, wow, that guy just cut that guy's head off. And that mm-hmm. was incredible. And wow. He's like, we do the same thing in music. He goes, I'm going to play this video for you. And I got to see ha 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 before, yeah. like it, it, before it was released to anybody. He goes, we just made this. Check this out. And it felt so cool to see it ahead of time right so like he plays it and he's showing it to us and he's explaining all the stuff they did and how they did it and i remember looking at him and i'm like if everyone saw this side of you they would see you from a total different perspective he's a gene he is a gene he, he really is he's and and you know i don't want to sound like we, we didn't even talk you know you and i are sitting here blowing violin jay on a show it's but, a fact though man but i saw somebody who we've had who really, those same think, experiences with him though i think yeah you know, I, I, I think he gets disrespected because it's easy to say look at this dummy yeah. with some face paint on when, yeah. when you don't even know shit about behind the paint right like read the book you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll learn a lot about joe bruce and another thing i got to do that was so dope too was i got to rap with him um oh, you know really? I, I i did the caller number seven jingle that they did for oh, okay. uh, what, yeah, yeah. I, I, on there and what was neat was so at his home studio, it's a garage converted into a studio. I'm sure you've been there, you know, um, and, and I'm sitting in there and he wanted to make a jingle for their, for their podcast. So he turns the music up super loud and he makes a beat right in front of me. Like, okay, this sounds here. Okay. And I add a little bit of this. Okay. And within 15 seconds, he has a beat. Right. Yeah. And he's playing it. And then he hands me a pad of paper and he goes, write a verse. I go, write a verse. Like I can write some spots. <laughs> like what do you mean write a verse. I don't rap. And he goes, if you're in this room, everyone gets a turn. And I'm wow. like, I'm not missing this opportunity. Right. So I sit back a little bit and he's just 
not writing away and writing away and corpse writing away. It's me, Corp, Too Tough Tony, and Violent J. It's like 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. Okay, we're in this office. So I, like, five minutes in, I'm, like, trying to come up with words, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I just go, I go, hey, and I yell at the music. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, so Violent J stops what he's doing, and he turns over to me, and, like, he turns the music down, but it's just playing under him a little bit. And he goes, rap music's more about talking. He's like, it's, it's you got to get your point across through mm. talking and it's through bars. And he goes, so how you do it is you do it like this. If you want to do it that, you can do it like this. And he, but he, however he did, it, he did like that, but he was rapping, right? And and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. He goes, and let me give you a sentence. So he gave me a sentence, and he goes, now, now go. And I just sat down with a pen, and it was like, it was like the rap gods took over my brain, and it all worked. I'm like, okay, and I'm writing sentences, and I was like, damn, what was this? Wow. And I remember driving home that night, the five hours, you know, after this session, <laughs> and I just felt like. Uh, it was it, it was life changing. You know what I mean, man. Yeah, it was unique yeah. to be in someone's environment and be accepted that way, and then trained that way. You know, in seconds, and it was awesome. So I have nothing but love for them yeah. and what I learned from from both of them. And I think one thing that when you are working with them and they trust you and stuff is that you do get to do really cool stuff, and you do get to meet <laughs> yeah. amazing people. And and you know, I know it was in the a lot in the news this week about Terry Funk and you know me and Terry yeah. Funk had breakfast one year at the gathering. Mm-hmm. Sat mm-hmm. at a table with Funk just chopping it up for 30 minutes eating our breakfast. Mm-hmm. I mean it's unbelievable, you know, and it's just it really because is. we were let, in the Let same me show one more because I don't yeah. talk to this audience that often. <laughs> I, I got So when we were really hot with them, we won their belts. I think we held them for like over like 450 days or something, okay. whatever it was. But like the second time we won them when he really had belief in us and he's going to start taking us places was right around the time of big money re- wrestlers coming out, Okay, right? yeah. So we're in town anyway cuz they were doing something for JCW. It had nothing to do with the movie, but we mm-hmm. were doing something. I don't remember what it was, but we were there. And we're in his uh, SUV and we're driving to the mall. This is when they're gonna they're getting ready or was it when they're gonna don i think they were gonna don um legs so it's around okay. the time we're gonna go to the mall we were getting we we're gonna get a chain and he already had the, the the medallion and you know so this is what we were doing so we're, so we're driving there and uh he's like you know what would be really awesome or i gotta tell a different story first we're in the car and he gets a call from somebody at the office maybe it was billy and they're like you know some of the office people are mad not everybody's gonna get in the limos for this and and, J, and jay's like no just the talents getting in the getting in the limos okay, everyone yeah. else can drive themselves there and like the, like so like that second tier of everyone at psychopathic was kind of pissed off so yeah. he hangs up the phone and now his brain's working right and and he gets quiet when his brain's working right so he's sitting there and sitting there all of a sudden he goes you know what would be really dope we're like what he goes you guys are the tag champ it's big money wrestlers you guys should be in limos <laughs> and he's pointing to me and brandon and we're like okay yeah right so he gets he gets back and goes billy billy clear out two more seats to tell the he's got to get one of the limos and billy's like no we're not doing that he goes no no clear them out I'm, at the time he was with me clear out the limo so like, he took us to the mall to buy clothes and buy jack so we look cool <laughs> and, we went, so, and so we so we had to make the whole thing we get to like the the, the film or yeah, whatever they were, I was, we met there but you remember i was the red carpet interviewer for that event so there you go. the so movie yeah the i remember right? i remember i remember interviewing sabu and joe doring and uh and i probably you guys but you you know you guys were always there so you know mm-hmm. um but yeah i and i pitched my participation in that because I went to a screening of the movie at his house. Okay. And they were talking Perfect. about planning the premiere. And I said, well, you're going to have a red carpet premiere. You need somebody from the press to do interviews. And mm-hmm. I said, since I'm on your radio station, why don't I interview people for that? And if you get the DVD, uh, it's on the DVD of that movie. 
That's amazing. The red car. So yeah, yeah. So, so this is the, this is the best part. So yeah. so now we go inside. We walk around. First off, we leave in the limo. We're in the first limo because we're the Jabra limo. So we pull up, <laughs> and and right when we pull up, there's a line of fucking people. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, those, I know. It was amazing. Thousand people there, right? And they're yeah. all in line, and we get out, and everyone's like snapping photos. Who are these guys? Who we felt like rock stars. We didn't yeah. do shit, right? And then we we go inside. We see the movie. It was an awesome movie. So, so now they say. All right, you guys, there's three limos in the back, you know, uh, climb in when they fill, they're going to bring people back to the Fillmore and so on and so yeah. forth. So we knew, we knew the Yankee get in the car as soon as possible. So we can get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Right. So <clears throat> we hop in the limo, we, we get it. And there's a dude sitting, you know, a limo, like when you first get in, there's the back and yeah. the, the front, he's sitting all the way in the front and he's on his phone or whatever he was doing. And now, so he's sitting there in like silence for like three minutes, which is pretty awkward. Finally, we're like, Hey man, you know, hi. He's like, Hey guys, we're like, uh, what do you do? <laughs> he goes, Oh, I'm a, I'm, I, I, I'm a rapper. We go, Oh, cool, man. You know, with who he goes with Cottonmouth things. I'm daddy X. Oh, and we're okay. like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, I know who he is, but I don't know who yeah, he is. Right. I'm a nineties guy. You know, I'm 40 yeah. years old. So I knew who, I knew daddy X was with Cottonmouth things. And I'm like, I feel so stupid. He's yeah. like, don't feel stupid. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. We feel stupid. And then we became really cool with them. We went on tour with them like three months later. Yeah. And he was super cool to us. So I got nothing but love for my time with ICP and everything around it. I, I look back on it fondly. Yeah, it was great. And that event, I remember talking to people, um, you know, like from Psychopathic and some of the crew and then maybe I speed themselves and just going that movie premiere at the Fillmore in Detroit was one of the coolest events they ever threw. Like it was amazing. Period. It was unbelievable. Period. Yeah. And yeah, it all came, and, and that's what I mean by that time frame. You know, I, I hate that they splintered off yeah. their fan base, you know, and I mean, we can look at it from a million directions, but I think it's a loss on everybody's end when yeah. you really think about it, because I was on those tours when Twisted would pop in when we mm-hmm. cross cities and out of nowhere homies and then Twisted would come out and play homies and everybody yeah. would, the place would lose it, you know? And I've seen the Dark Lotus shows. I've seen the Rider shows. I've seen them all. And I saw what that is. And it's such a bummer that it was separated. And I, like I say, I think I saw the tail end of the cool stuff. Those gatherings with the Charlie Sheen gathering or the Ric Flair yes. gathering or, or, yeah. or Ice Cube gathering, I saw all of those. Yeah. And those were some of the coolest experiences ever. The drug bridge, all the fun stuff. I saw it yeah those, and it's priceless that was really kind of when i was in my heyday because they were doing stuff on the web and i was doing that and i was doing the radio show and then i was ringing out some wrestling and then i was mm-hmm. doing you know i did a comedy show with roddy piper did a comedy show right? with iron chic um, once you do something yeah. good for them they find 15 more things for yeah. you to do which is what's great like you can just keep working through it but it's like anything else you know i i, I grew up a little bit and I had to get out and, and kind of move around a little bit. It was time for me to be a be a dad and, you know, move yeah. on to the next phase of my life. And, well, uh, I think yeah. uh, we all do. Although, you know, me, I'm a, I'm really at this point with ICP only really working once a year, which is the gathering. OK, and sure. So like last year, I really didn't do anything with them. I don't think. But, you know, we all get along and, and like they'll call me and say, hey, we want you for this or come do this or whatever. And it's cool. And they know I'll do it if I'm free. And, you know, and I, you know, it's been a good it's been a great experience. But uh, all right, let's talk more about you. Why are you on this show? Well, Vito, you uh, hit me up because we are friends on Facebook. So that's why I feel like we haven't talked in years. And yet I see you riding your bike in the park and I see you (laughs) doing all your Facebook, you know, your non wrestling stuff. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, recently, um. How did I? F- I'm trying to remember how I heard this story, because you had to sit on it. The fact that you were on that WWE show, yes, you couldn't I did. talk I, about, I knew about it. it for about a, for about a year before it aired. Yeah, this is WWE's most wanted treasures. They're doing sort of a, I guess it's sort of an American Pickers, but it's wrestling. Go find wrestling memorabilia, 
And you had a really cool. It's, it, it's Pawn Stars, but they come okay, to your yeah, house. Yeah, they come to your house. That's why I said it's more like American yeah. Pickers, where it's two guys yeah. driving around. And so uh, uh, Booker T, the WWE Hall of Famer, and what's the name of the other guy? Because I know he's hot now. Uh, it's AJ AJ Friend or AJ. I think it's AJ Friend is his name. I'm not 100 percent certain. And I, yeah. I, I didn't know him too well. But so now I'm, he's, I'm, he's a former football player. He's in the Hit Row stable on NXT. Yes, which yes. is like the next thing, I guess. Everyone's marking uh, everyone, out for it. Everyone says it. It's hot. So they now how do they find that you have this for tell everybody what you had if you don't mind blowing the show for people. It's already aired. Yeah, no, well, I mean if they haven't seen it by now, is yeah. it really a priority? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and <laughs> you know. Uh yeah. So um I have a junkyard dog dog collar. Um it was my grandfather's, so I I, I had it in my possession forever. And a friend of mine uh was being interviewed for the show. Um, collectors, it's a small world, even though it's kind of a big world, it's not, it's a really small world. Like we all know what each other has, yeah. you know? And, uh, so they went to him, he had an item, they passed on it. Then they asked him, do you know anybody else? He said, my buddy has this thing, not knowing if I would sell it or not. Yeah. Um, so a producer called me one morning, like really early in the morning, we had like a half hour discussion. I sent some photos. Um, they sized it with the WWE. Um, they have like a, whatever you would call it, like a merchandise, not a merchandiser, but like a guy that qualifies items right so, so that he's one the guy historian that says, that says the historian there legit, you go. He, yeah he says if, is it real or not and he does it through different metrics that they have right so that took a few days to go by the producer calls him back and he goes well you know we want it uh are you willing to sell it and i'm like well i go you know man i gotta be honest it's it's a it's a it's in the family like no not really but like <laughs> what would i be looking at because yeah. i gotta smell it out i gotta smell right. the opportunity right and he goes uh like two three grand and my fucking heart falls out of the back of my head right and i'm just like sure but you can't say that right yeah, so yeah. i go i go yeah that's just nowhere near that's nowhere near my number man i go i'm not interested in selling it i i, I do sales by the way so i know exactly what okay. i'm gonna do with this guy right yeah, yeah and, and he goes okay not for anything i go man really my number is about 10 if you guys can't do that i don't even want to talk to you guys about this anymore and he goes okay well i have a number he goes we'll be in touch so i hang up right and i'm like i'm gonna get 10 grand for this fucking thing i can't believe this it's all in my mind it's sold i've already sold yeah. it it's gone it, it, come get it today right yeah so like two weeks goes by he calls back up he goes okay we want you for the show we're gonna send you paperwork um sign it. i go wait a minute i so I'm selling it or I'm not selling it. He goes, that's not up to us. He goes, this is, this is all a shoot. Like everything about it is a shoot. They're going to yeah. come out. They're going to offer you. They're going to like it. And then they're going to try to buy it from you. And that's all that it really is. Like it's, it's, it's a shoot. It's a legit shoot. Everything you saw is a legit shoot. What you didn't see though, is that negotiation from $20,000 down to 7,500. That took about 45 minutes. Okay. I, I asked for free tickets to WrestleMania for life. <laughs> um, I asked to go hang out at Austin's ranch. I asked for Booker T to come over to hang out for uh, a, a pay-per-view party that I would sell tickets to. Wow. I asked for so many outlandish things and they just kept <laughs> laughing at me and saying no. And like, what would be funny is like in my basement, it's a full gym. So there's like each person has a camera pointed on them. So there's three of us, there's three cameras. Then there's a fourth camera that's shooting like the wide shots. So there's like four cameras. Then there was a boom mic. My ceiling is only like seven and a half feet tall. Mm. There's a boom mic. There's an audio guy and there's a producer all in my basement, all, all facing us. So all those tight shots where we're in there trying to get in there there's all those people behind us so it was it was like a it was a thing so 
then then what was really crazy is I go on my back porch. There's a scene where they, they show me on the back porch talking for a few minutes, but we were out there for a long time. And they asked me about the gathering. Yeah. They asked me about my time with ICPs. I think they were just on my Wikipedia, you know, and then I, I thought they would use a lot of that, but they didn't use any of it because yeah. they would have got some. I had some footage of me wrestling with Violent J and shit that I gave them for that segment. They didn't mm-hmm. use any of it. So it, it, it was weird how it was how it ended up being produced. They made me look like a jobber for sales, you know, in three seconds. I bent <laughs> over, you know, but in my mind. If they would, I, my low number was three grand. I was yeah. going to walk away at three grand. That was in my mind. So when I doubled it, I'm like, fuck it. It's yours. Take it. No, I thought the way, because I watched that show, I think I just knew you were on it and didn't know what the item was or anything. But then as I'm watching that episode, it, you're like the kind of the main event of that show, I guess, right? You were the last guy they visited, if I remember correctly. And yeah, um, and uh, I I can't say too much, but if I would have played ball a little differently, I, I would have had a lot more time on the show. But it, I think it just showed that your item was cool. Tell everybody what the I mean, the JYD you you said it already, right? Yeah, it's junkie JYD uh, uh, collar. What's going to be neat is they're going to have it at, at all the access events. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have an A and E section of items that were bought on the show, and that's going to be a big focal point of this fictitious museum that they have, or the one yeah, day when they wow. have it. There'll be an A and E section um, all about the items. So it's special, man. You know, people are going to be able to see that forever. And it's you know, I didn't get a chance to main event WrestleMania. I didn't get a chance to work Monday Night Raw. You know, as as a real talent, but I have a connection to something that. Has I've been connected? I wrestling's been the longest thing I've been connected to in my entire life. So for me to at least touch that the area and have a little bit to do with it was special. Yeah. And, and junkyard dog, I probably put this on your Facebook, but to me, that's a that like to me that item meant something to me too because that was the first live wrestling show I ever saw he main evented. Yeah, uh, he, he he's a special. I yeah. mean, he, you, you can argue he's the he's the first famous black professional wrestler yeah. no i mean i know there was other guys but he he was a, he he crossed over because tv was coming around at that time yeah too. he was right? uh so it, it was him and i saw him and andre the giant okay. against ken patera and big john stud at the kobo arena wow in early 85 i think it was i i could go that's on incredible. history of wwe i i looked it up once and yeah, uh and you know jy it was texas tornado so all four guys in the ring and jyd used the chains Wow. And beat the hell out of and, and he choked Bobby Heenan through Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan now is like the most memorable part of that match because he was just so awesome. So, um, yeah, of course. And, um, but yeah, that was the first show my dad took me. I was 13 years old, I think. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So that's like, man, when I saw that and then you said that, you know, that was his sort of prime, as far as you know, that was like a real prime thing that he used in that part of uh, his career right yeah not only do i know but the uh the historian that works for wb that's yeah. his full-time job said it is too so at this point uh i have a check that says it and yeah. well i won i think so yeah. everybody wins um they now have the item back where it belongs i think it belongs or doesn't belong in my basement right you know and uh yeah and not for nothing not because i'm on that show i get hit up by people all the time hey i got this <laughs> a lot of toys you want to buy them yeah because you got you know, 7500 sure. bucks right now that's why yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> you know what though i okay so i was talking to a couple of buddies before the show aired now like like how do i play this what, what what can i get away with like you know we started conspiring a little bit and um uh hold on sorry i lost my train of thought the um what the hell was I going to tell you? I lost a train of thought. Sorry, I'm doing two you things at once. You were conspiring. You were getting. Uh, what were you going to do with the money? Or oh, I was saying that it should have been. I should have not sold it because oh. that that item would have went for twenty grand. 
on eBay the next day. Oh, okay. Right, because I would have found that yeah. one guy in Japan or something that's willing to spend the money right. because it, it it didn't get bought on the show. But then I thought, but well, what if they don't air it? Like, that's what if, true what too. If, yeah, you know, if there's like I don't want to air, it, and then the whole thing's a waste, right? Well, they want so, They want a happy ending, and they want to know that you're willing to sell as sort of your being on the show, even though like well, if you those, look at it, no one. I didn't watch the whole season, but yeah. I don't believe I believe every single person sold. I think so. No? As far as I didn't see them all either, but the ones I watched. And I thought the show was overall really good. And I didn't just watch because you were on. I had watched it before you were on. But um, I thought they did a good job with that show. I watch those shows sometimes, you know, the the non-wrestling sort of historical artifact shows. And since I like yeah. wrestling, I was like, yeah, this will be cool. Yeah, it was. What, the other interesting part is I had a bunch of Halloween decorations because it was shot in October. Okay. And they hated them because because <laughs> they, they, like they, like they don't want to show you what time of year it is, you know. Yeah. So all the shots of my house is my neighbor's house, <laughs> a couple doors down, okay. and like they have a blue door, and then you go by me, I have a red door. Like it's not even the same color door, the same color side. Like they have brick, I have like siding. Like it's not even the same house at all. It's oh. really funny. So if you go back and look at that, you can see that plain as day. Who can believe that anything involving wrestling would be faked? I can't. Listen, believe when, it. at the end of it, when they say writers <laughs> and creators and oh, yeah. directors and yeah. everything at the end of it, none of it's real. You're opening so, my eyes here. Yeah, wow, I know. I know. New, <laughs> I'm shooting, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you guys, let's talk about your wrestling uh, career a little bit here. Because sure. you guys, now I only met you through ICP, but you guys, as far as I can tell, and I've been around the scene a little bit, that you guys were real big deal in the Chicago scene, right? I mean, that's uh, you guys, like everybody knows you in Chicago. Is that fair to say? I mean, from the wrestling from standpoint, the wrestling yes, standpoint. I'd say from yeah, the, yeah, yeah. From the, yeah, from yeah the, not, not every Chicago, citizen, no. but yeah, if you like in my mind, yeah. in my mind, everyone in Chicago knows me. Yes, that's how my <laughs> mind works. Uh, no, but but I, I would say this. I, I got in in 98, 99, mm. started really full time in 99. And at the time, there was only like a half a dozen places you can do that yeah. in the whole country. So I was part of a group of people that was just a smaller group of people. And at that time I was 18, you know, so I was doing all the flippy shit. I'm at the very end of the territory into the attitude era days of training. So you had all the territory guys that fell off. Right. And then they were still training you, Oh, grab a hole brother. And you know, like, like that shit. And then you're watching Steve Austin smash guys with chairs and drink beer. You're like, I want to do that. You know? So then you had, we had to kind of develop that. And then we were doing too many flips and we were moving too fast and we weren't selling the moves. I was in that transition too. So I got through all of that. I moved around the country. I was trained by really good people. Mike Modest, Donovan Morgan okay. out there. And then yeah. Rick Thompson, who was like a jobber in the Cow Palace. And like a the best guys to learn from are old heel jobbers okay. um, from the territory days. Because they teach you how to control everything going on mm-hmm. at all times, period. Whether you're in the offense or you're in the defense. So I was trained by Sonny Rogers in Chicago, who was like the jobber of jobbers, babyface. And I was polished by Rick Thompson out in San Francisco of the heels of heels of jobbers. And I really learned how to be a hand um, and get over what needs to get over. And then we would put that into everything moving forward. When we work for new people, we, we, we would go to a new place and we would just walk in and ask to work for them. And they'd be like, well, we don't have any more money. And we'd say, we'll work for free. And they say, well, we don't have anybody for you to work. We go, give us the two guys that, that have only had one or two matches. Okay. And they're like, okay, okay. And we don't, we don't want any money for it. After the match, we'll talk money. Say, okay, we go out there and we kill it, right? Because we have a very simple psychology, a very easy way to slip out a banana peel. We know how to draw heat and we know how to put little guys over to make them look good. So we would do that. We'd get in the back of the program and be like, who the fuck are you guys? <laughs> so we did that everywhere, right? Right. And then before we knew it, we were just getting booked everywhere. And it, it just started working out. There was We, we, we found a niche, right? 
And it just worked for us everywhere. So we worked, yeah, WWE and TNA, we did, you know, we did jobber stuff for them, but then CZW, PWU, which was a thing at the time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, IW Mid-South, we were, I think, 600 days, we were their tag team champions, you know, uh, we, we, we were, yeah, we, we got around, man, uh, but we were always 5'8", and, you yeah. know, 180 to 190 pounds 15 years ago. So that's not an excuse, it's just a reality, you know, and, and the opportunity wasn't quite where, where it is today for people to get an opportunity. No. But it's actually when you look back on on cards or you look or you watch an old tape or or even like, you know, I started going really in earnest to wrestling shows again where I wasn't working just as a fan. I started going really in the last like six years and even I like those shows, you know, Ring of Honor six years ago, whatever. Every single guy on that show is in one of the big companies right now. And, mm-hmm. and main eventing in a lot of cases, you know, so either they're right. AEW, New Japan or WWE, like everybody. And so, I mean, you were around with, uh, I'm sure, tons of guys in their beginnings of their career. Well, Seth Rollins used to take sure. my camp in LaSalle in 2002. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and he was he was just a backyarder. And I remember like so when you call spots in the ring, some people will back you against the ropes and they'll say, hey, tackle, drop down, you know, clothesline, duck, all this. And, and they'll call the whole spot to you. If you're seasoned, you would send them off tackle. When when you hit him with a tackle, you would say drop down, mm-hmm. you know, or, or drop down, watch the line. You call it in a sequence. So I showed him that and it was like a light switch for him. And he was like, I didn't I never knew to call it that way. Again, he's nobody at this time. Yeah. Right. Then he started getting trained with Danny Daniels and then his career took off. Yeah. You know, so I saw all those guys, everybody yeah. that's on TV to some capacity. Um, I've shared some time with him. What's great is, and I'm sure we'll get into it in a minute here, but I started making this cartoon. And when I started reaching back out to those guys, I was never a guy that asked for favors, mm. right? I didn't ask guys to work to work. I didn't really play that game the right way. So this is the first time in my life that I actually had to go to people and ask them for it. And I got a lot of great feedback on it. So I've made some good connections um, that are kind of paying back in different ways today. Well, let's get into that then. Carnies is the name of your show, your pilot, whatever your, whatever you want to define it as the cartoon yes the cartoon yeah and you sent me a little uh little opening and it was awesome i have to say i i, I don't know if it was 30 seconds or something but it was great yeah so that that's the opening song with the opening what, what you'll see when you watch each cartoon mm-hmm. um so back, back up a little bit uh decided to create this cartoon it, it, it's really funny it's about the indies um which no one really shoots whenever you see the indies on any value of any show of any mm-hmm. kind it's usually like a frumpy girl with a big belly and b-cup titty saying she wants to make it in the business <laughs> uh and then there's like a skinny guy who's a mechanic yeah who has like really weird sores on his face and he's like i just want to make it in the business <laughs> right you have that you know and, and that's really how you see indies we're broke we live in our cars you know but we love the business that's all you've ever seen the indies be so that's not what this is yeah this is a family uh, that, that that their main line of work is professional wrestling. So in their backyard, they have a pole barn. Uh, it's in Blocksville, Tennessee. It's a fictitious town. Uh, they have a pole barn in the backyard, and that's where they train everybody. So you'll never see wrestling in the cartoon. So think like okay. married children. Yeah. Yeah, think married children, right? Al Bundy, he's a shoe salesman, but you don't see him at work. You see him at home. Yeah. Right? You see him at home. Sometimes you see him at work. Once you, in a while. I think yeah. you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So – that's how this show is going to be shot. So it's all like there's going to be an episode where they flyer for the big show. And it's just going to be the shenanigans wrestlers get into when they're flyering places. Mm-hmm. Like that's stuff that's old school that people don't even talk about. Anymore. But remember, we had to fly. We had to go to these like gas stations. Hey, can I put my thing in your window? Sure can. You know, and I have all these little random little widgets that way. We're also going to send some of the talent to Monday Night Raw to get looked at. And you're going to see what it's like to be 
to be treated like an enhancement talent. You've heard the stories, but you're going to see it now depicted in a cartoon of what it really feels like when you're a piece of shit local guy. <laughs> that they treat like a piece of shit for 12 hours, two days in a row, right? So we're putting a lot of that, of that stuff into it. But the funniness of just the carny part of the wrestling business is going to be exposed. Now, this is the coolest hook on the whole cartoon. All the voices are being voiced by legend wrestlers. Okay. Okay. So part of the project already and recorded is uh, Vince Russo plays the main hero okay. in, in it. His cohort, uh, his right-hand man is Shane Douglas, um, which is really neat. Uh, on the other side of it, we have um, we recorded with D'Lo Brown. He he plays a role in it. Velvet Sky voices a role in it. Stacy the Cat Carter, yes, that the cat from the like the late nineties. She yeah. voices a role in it, and she voices the best independent woman wrestler at the time, which is funny because she's not great right, <laughs> at, at any of that. So she voices a, a, uh, that role, and I'm going to give you an exclusive because I like. Okay, you. well, thank you. <laughs> Let's do it. Voicing the role of one wipe Andy, which is the referee. One wipe Andy, we call him that because he smells like shit. So one. it smells like he only takes one wipe. So it's one wipe Andy. <laughs> He's a stone referee, and this is played by Rob Van Dam. Oh, awesome. Rob Van Dam? Yeah. That's Rob great. Van Dam. So, yeah. So we're doing some big things here, man. Um, and there's a few other names that I really want to say, but until I record the audio, yeah. I don't like to say the name. You, you never all say it until it happens. Yeah. Never. So all that's been recorded. It's being produced right now. I have an awesome animator out of Vancouver, British, British Columbia. Um, he's really strong. You obviously saw the opening that he yeah. made. Um, and, and we have a number to make season one. So we know what that's going to look like mm -hmm. now, you know, so we're trying to build towards that too. So we made this little trailer, right? It's a little pilot. It's about two to three minutes long and it, it's called the PWI 500. So you're going to get a little taste of everybody that's in the cartoon and what their view is of the PWI 500, right? The cartoon shoots like the office. It airs like the office. So mm -hmm. someone stubs their toe, uh, four or five people comment on what happened. Right. So it, yeah. it's not action packed. It's, it's dialogue. Right. Uh, packed. It's a so comedy. It's a behind the scenes comedy. Behind the scenes comedy. Of wrestling. I've I've put all these stories of all these people I've come in contact with into thirteen characters. Yeah, it's really funny. That's cool, man. No, I love it. I yeah. believe me. I you know I one thing you know in my career being a comedian is I a lot of lot of parallels between wrestling and comedy. Oh yeah, and some time. of you know great comedy shows are about what happens not during the comedy show, but behind the scenes mm -hmm. and on the road and all that stuff. And, you know, knowing wrestling stories as well. Um, there's a lot there. there there's a lot yes. that, uh, you know, in fact, I mean, some, one of the things I think about wrestling that people, I think if you make a movie, which is why I don't think there's been a lot of, I think a car, I, I think a cartoon is really good because it gives you the latitude of, you know, the cartoons are not real, so if it seems like even though these are based on true stories, they're so unbelievable that I don't think they make a lot of movies about wrestling because I don't think people would believe the real life stuff that goes on. And, and, and I mean, if you look at the movie, The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, yeah. they did a pretty goddamn yeah, good yeah, job. Was, what did everybody the best do? One. Everybody freaked out and they loved it, but there is only how many times can you play that movie? Yeah, yeah. right. So, like with with this cartoon, like we have, we're, we're going to have split off episodes where periodically, uh, former legend comes to town to say hi to the main character, and that whole episode you're just going to see that guy's career 
in like UFC retrospective. You know what I mean? The interview where it's black yeah. and white and the camera's kind of off right, the side. Right, yeah. I've been fighting since I was 12 years old, right? <laughs> and they show him like fighting. Like we're going to, we're going to show that for a wrestler. So I, I, I'll give you another little Iggy. So instead of using like Raven, we can't use Raven, right? Cause it's, it's a licensed name. No, okay. We created a character called Falcon. So we dress him just like Raven and he acts just like Raven. And we take a lot of the stories you've heard about Scott Levy mm-hmm. in the wrestling business. And we're putting him into this character. Now this is the best part. We want Raven to actually voice the character. Oh, okay. of Falcon. Right. So like that's, that's the angles that we're going. And we have a lot of throwback to old storylines that we put into this, that you just pay attention to who the voices are. We marry them from their old stories into these stories very nicely. Nice. So it, 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 it's a nod to old fans. If you're a new fan and you don't know anything about wrestling, you don't have to know anything about it to enjoy the cartoon. It, we found that happy medium, which you can do in cartoons very easily. You can entertain kids at the same time you're entertaining adults and have very gray lines. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, I uh, it sounds great. And uh, I just being in a locker room, even, you know, the the really the, the, the JCW locker room, the only locker room I've been in. But, man, I could tell stories about yes. stuff that I saw and stuff that, you know, uh, just it's unbelievable. It, it really is yes. crazy stuff. And, you know, I always like meeting like people who like wrestling and they're like, they'll talk about some guy and I'll be, you know, and I, I'm sure people hate my guts because I, oh, that guy. Yeah. I, I hung out. I smoked a joint with that guy. You know, I don't, <laughs> I'm always yeah. like, doing stuff like that. Oh, me and him, uh, hang out. I took him to White Castle at two in the morning. Right. You know, right. I, I, I right. took, I took Scott Hall to White Castle, you know, at two mm. in the morning. And then, you know, it was, uh, you know, people were talking about, you know, Razor Ramon. I'm like, yeah, him and I went to White Castle. He's my buddy, you know, oh, boys. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's just like, uh, yeah. The wrestling world is unbelievable, man. But uh, it is, it is, and you know, man, it's there for the taking. You know, yeah. Um, people can claim what they want to claim, but I'll tell you right now, if you don't kill it, you don't eat. Yeah, and and you know, wrestling is now on TV basically every night of the week, and all day long if you have YouTube. Well, yeah, you and, all day long. and it's you know, you can get all the stuff from Japan and get it from wherever you want. So it's pretty, pretty, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. And I think something like this really fits in with uh, everything that's going on. Um, yeah. Thanks. And you can spread the word. So, so easily now, uh, it's not yes. that it's easy, but it's easier than it's ever been. No, I, to... I think the proper way to say that is there's no excuse why you can't get something yeah. out there. Yeah, absolutely. There's just not, there's yeah. just not, you know, Take it, uh, take it to a con or something. There's a, there's a thought. Mm. Not that you haven't had that thought. <laughs> well, you know, in, in reality, I got a couple of different angles that that, yeah. that, that, that I want to take it that is going to be more hands off and I'm going to try to sell it off. Oh, sure. So yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's a different process. Um, but you know, I'm going to put it out here now. I want Violent J to score it. Everything oh, in this has to do with wrestlers and I want dope. Violent J. Yeah. Like my, my, I've created music with him. I just told you about that earlier. Right. right? And my, my fantasy is to give him a blank three minute clip and say, put the music where you think it should right. happen. Like you just, cause he gets like weird about everything. Right. And then I, I could see him like taking an hour to focus on my three minutes and making it incredible. Yeah. You know? And, and so I would just imagine all legendary vo- uh, wrestlers uh, voice the roles. And then the music by violent J would just be like, that would be the icing on the cake for me. So I'm putting it out there in the world for some good juju. There you go. Violent J P- do it. Come on. Do it. Collaborate. Please. You got this. Please. Yeah. Come I, on, man. I, I, I bled for you. Oh, uh, I'll tell you what, man. We did. And I say we. We did it separately. But, and I don't think I've talked about it on this show. So I'm, I'm dropping and, and you Come haven't on. heard about it. There is, a, there is a guy who is a legit guy, a, a Hollywood filmmaker, making a documentary about the comedian Gallagher. 
Okay. And he flew to Detroit to interview ICP and me about his time at the Gathering of the Juggalos. That's amazing. And we shot that a couple months ago. I don't know when it's coming out. But uh, and I'll believe me, I'll talk more about it on the show when I when I can. (laughs) And I say, like, well, I'm in it because I'm assuming I'm in it because I was interviewed for it. But again, like your show, you never know what they use. You never know if you're in it or anything like that. But I mean, this guy flew to town. He interviewed ICP. Then he drove across town to the comedy club, interviewed me. And um, and then I got him another guy that worked with Gallagher to talk about him. So that's incredible. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, ICP and I kind of are going to be in that project together. It looks like that's what's cool, too. Like you, I, I talk in my men's group all the time about borrowing people's energy. Yeah. Right. And, and you have to borrow that energy for a little bit and then it comes off on you. And then other people see you in yeah. that light and they're like, oh, he's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's all it takes, man. And then it's literally and, all it takes. And then the guy sitting there and again, I'm going to plug another thing that I did, which I will probably be cut out of and i but then the guy sitting there and you know we've got time there's downtime they're testing the cameras and i'm talking to this guy and i go uh and what else you're working on man you've been working on this uh, gallagher thing for years and years he goes well i'm making this uh documentary about the star wars holiday special i don't know if you know what that is but (laughs) no they made they made a holiday special in 1978 for star wars and they had all these like hollywood sitcom guys write it and produce it so it's like, you know, it's it's all these like like the uh, B. Arthur from Maud is in it and Art Carney. Wow, and they're weird. like they're in the Star Wars bar with Han Solo. And, you know, so Harrison Ford's and it was like the one of the worst TV shows ever made. He goes, I'm making a special about the Star Wars holiday special. And I go, I love the Star Wars holiday special. He goes, <laughs> well, well, let's fire up the cameras. And now you're in the Star Wars holiday special documentary. And I'm like, cool. Let's do content. It. And, yeah, and, and, and you I'm know like, what? It took you asking the right question. Right. right? And I, go, and that's I, all I like that. And he goes, yeah, let's do it. You know? So, so again, there's another right. thing that I may or may not be in. So my, uh-huh. my life of, wrestling comedy and star wars is starting to pay off as i approach well the 15. one thing i know about the wrestling <laughs> business if you just if you just poke it enough yeah. and pivot when you're supposed to pivot yeah. it will eventually work out for you it's how it is yeah i think so i think it's uh i think you make a lot of opportunities again like like most things in entertainment it's who you know and you know if if people know you're good and they need somebody They'll call on you. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been in that position, and I know you have too. But look, you got a great life outside of wrestling. I mean, you must look at some of these guys that you worked with, and probably some of them ain't around anymore, for one. And then, you know, the rest of them are in God knows what shape. So, well, you know, I, I've shared this story too many times. So I'm not going to bother on this show, but I. <laughs> I I drove Scott Hall around a lot yeah. for a couple of years. And at one time he broke it down to me and he was, he started crying yeah. and he's like, I sign autographs in malls, man. Yeah. And I remember like driving home and I was like, in my mind, money earners, Scott Hall's in the top 10 no? yeah. uh, ever. Right. And maybe not ever, but ever. Right. Yeah. And I looked at it like, this is this guy's life today. I get drugs and, you know, depression, you know, he did kill a guy. I mean, there's a lot of other variables about right. him that aren't me, you know, but, I looked at that and I'm not kidding. I told my brother the next day in the car, I said, when we lose these belts, I'm done. He's yeah. like, why? I'm like, that was Razor Ramon. 
yeah. telling us about signing autographs in malls. That's not if you do it right, you end up like Sonny. But that's if you do it right. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just not a lot of ways to make this thing make sense in, in a way that's conducive to the way I was raised, you know, to the overall my goals in my life. 14-year-old Vito, yes, let's rock the yeah. roads, let's go to truck stops. You know, <laughs> but 40-year-old Vito is like, I want I want to make a living and I want to jack off a little more each day and I don't want to be bothered. Yeah, you do you know? it, you do it and you get your taste of it, and then you see the next and and part of it is that it's not in your control anyway. You know, you no, hope none you're of it is. good none at of it. it. Is. And, none and, of it is. And one of the things, you know, from comedy and wrestling that I've seen is and can tell anyone who's not in show business, which will put wrestling in show business, I will include it there, is to say yep. that, you know, there's guys every bit as good as the famous guys that everybody knows. But, but they'll, they never be famous. they'll never be nope, famous. They'll never be and, famous. And some of that's most of that is out of their control. Well, and... I'll, I'll say this much. I'll say this much. Yes and no. It's all in your control to yeah, get yourself to the is. opportunity to get yourself to the opportunity. But that upper echelon, yeah. that really breakthrough, right. that is one hundred percent out of your. Control. But getting getting good is in your control. But getting yes. you know who you know it, it's sort of like you get to a point in your career where everybody's good. Where it's like, you know, in yes. the beginning, it's like there's the good people and there's the crappy people. OK, mm -hmm. so I'm funnier than this guy. So I will go further. And you do. Yes. And you do for a while. And then it's like, well, everybody's funny. Who's moving on? Oh, the nice guys. So now the assholes are kind of getting left behind. It's the good guys, the guys that are sure. fun to work with, easy to work with. Well, guys, let, show me, up on let, time. Me, let me use let me use me as an example, because yeah. I think it's easy. It's easier for, for me to say it this way. So I think I had all the tools. I think I was really good. I think I was talented. And I, I think I understood people and I can hear people and change matches and call stuff on the fly, but that isn't what people hire. Yeah. You know, so like I got really good at that. Right. And I also got really good at being a heel that could put little guys over and make them look right and position the right way and always bump to the center and all these important things. Right. Um, but that isn't what somebody wanted me to do. Right. So, so you can also look at it like then I took that and I got into corporate sales and high corporate America and I'm killing it now because you can't work me. Yeah. So all that stuff where I were, yes, doors were closed in my face. But what I took from that closed door in my face made me the living that I have today. And I have a very good living, wow. you know, so it, that came from that, too. So I, I am main eventing WrestleMania now in a different way. And I got it from learning from guys like you, Violent J, anybody for yeah. that matter that we've discussed tonight, even down to Scott Hall being a mess in yeah. my car. I learned it was time to get out. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was an important lesson to me that I learned that night. Now, look, could I have pivoted at that point? Said, you know what? Fuck it. I still want to do it. And that was my motivator to make it. And I'm having a different conversation with you tonight about it. You yeah, know what? That's I mean, fine, but I wasn't looking for that. No, but, you, you know, know, it's I look at it as, you know, uh, when I talk to. You know, guys from ICP or older comics or whatever guys been around. It's like, you know, we survived it and did it and can talk about it and can enjoy having that, even though I'm still doing it and you're still doing it when they want you, you know, right, but it's at right, the same right. time, you know, even with comedy, it's like, you know, I don't really I turn down more gigs than I take at this point. Yeah, because, you know, I'm teaching comedy classes. I'm doing that stuff. I'm doing shows like this producing other shows and i'm just you know i'm i'm enjoying what i worked for and the struggle that i had as a younger man and i can do that now and that's really great and i think you're in the same spot and that's awesome yes yes absolutely so absolutely, learn from sure. that guys don't don't you know you can uh, there the, the the dream you had may not be what you get but there's another dream out there that's really good 
Yeah, I think your dream should be the best you. Yeah. And, and, and you should set your goals to what that reality is. Like, you know, if you're not an athlete and your goal is to play for the Bulls, you know, I think you're setting your goals, you know, mm. out, outside of your reach, you know. So maybe your goal should be maybe first to become an athlete. Right. Like, yeah. so I, I think it's more narrow focusing down what, what your real true ability is and then run that bitch into the ground because we all have something special in all of us, period. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. I think we'll leave it at that. Vito, man, this was a great talk, dude. Um, let's plug a couple things. I, I, you wanted uh, your Facebook. Anyone can Facebook friend you. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Facebook is for my for my wrestling public and podcast audience and cartoon world. That is Vito Tomaselli. Uh, you can find me on there real easily. Instagram, um, that's for my family and whatnot, but I'm at Vito Tomaselli there as well, too. Um, on YouTube, I have several different YouTube channels and whatnot, but the main one would be One Gimmick World Podcast okay. Network. All, all one word, the number one gimmick world. And you see a lot of the stuff up there. You can also yeah. see the creation of the carnies and everything else that we have up there, podcasts, interviews, um, really great stuff. Yeah, you got you do a great job, and uh, it's it's been a pleasure being your friend and talking yes. after all these years. Even though it feels <laughs> it doesn't feel that long, but I know it has yeah. been long. But uh, that's the world we live in, man. This is great. Good luck with carnies, and uh, if you need to do an update, you want to come on and let it let it uh, you know talk about it or have some of your uh, stars on. I'm willing to do it, man. I would love it, man. And yes, and uh, it's good catching up with you too, sir. And uh, thanks for having me on. All right, Vito. Thanks so much, bud. All right, Vito. Thank you. The Carnies. Carnies. I liked it. I I wish you could see the thing that I saw that he sent only to me. <laughs> but it was cool. I mean, I you know, you never know with TV stuff. You never know when that stuff's going to hit. Or maybe he wants to do... Uh, some sort of streaming or whatever. I, you know, who knows? But I will tell you this, and you probably heard this listening to him. I was going to say, hey, maybe put it out here, put it out there. He's got a whole plan, it sounds like. So I'm not throwing in my two cents. I mean, I don't know anything about getting on TV. <laughs> the few times I've been on. But what a great interview. It was really nice catching up. Uh, you know, we really did have the, the, the glory days of of maybe the gathering of the Juggalos and when when Juggalo Championship Wrestling was was really making uh, news, and, and maybe it will again soon, you know. Um, but Vito was part of that, as I was, and it was great catching up with him. What a great dude, and, and telling, you know, my memories of seeing wrestling back in, in the 80s and the mid-80s when uh, started going down to Cobo Arena, Joe Louis Arena, and, yeah, it was great. And uh, he's a great dude. Check out uh, that Most Wanted Treasures episode if you can find it with Vito because uh, he did a real good job on that. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Good guy. Got to have Vito on more. <laughs> it's weird when you go, hey, how you doing? It's only been 12 years. <laughs> like I was talking about, I was talking to the, at, the, at the Hildebrandt Memorial. I was talking to, to one of the guys, and I go, well, I think you were on about 15 years ago, so we'll have you on soon, and then uh, we'll do 2036. <laughs> No, either of us will be here in 2036. We'll see. But, um, yeah, that was cool, too. All right, let's do some reviews here before we get out of here on this week's episode. Um, again, no Layla, but here's the thing. Here's why we don't need Layla. Okay, we do need Layla because Layla's great. But Layla's opinion, not going to be necessary for some of these reviews because most of these, I don't think she saw. These are things that I watch when Layla's not around because she wouldn't care 
or wouldn't be entertained. Uh, but let's start with McCartney 321 on Hulu. It's a TV show. Paul McCartney in conversation with Rick Rubin for about six hours. Now, I'm reviewing the show as, as I have only watched four episodes of the six, but they're 30 minutes each. Uh, it's these two guys, Ruben and McCartney, hanging out around a mixing board for the most part, sometimes around a piano. Um, I think there might be a guitar in there. I'm trying to remember. But really just talking about McCartney's music and how he made it. Uh, of course, largely that being Beatles music, but not all Beatles music. Some of it, he, he did a, a, a breakdown of his song, Live and Let Die. Uh, he did a breakdown of, what else did he do a breakdown of? Some of his other solo stuff. Um, and it's cool. He, he did it. It's really neat. Now, here's what I will tell you. If you are a huge Beatles fan, as I am, having watched pretty much every documentary and interview with McCartney and the Beatles and their producer, George Martin, and reading tons and tons of Beatles books, I did not find a lot of fresh new McCartney stories in this show, but I think the way that it was shot, it is uh, in black and white uh, with some interspersed i think it's more largely in black and white maybe there's some color footage too interspersed with some uh actually colorized beetle footage which i didn't think was that great but a lot of behind the scenes stuff from the studio beetles in concert uh photographs that kind of stuff it's really really well done i have to say if you want to know more about paul mccartney and his music this is an awesome show to watch and even if you here's the thing i like the show i knew all the stories and still it's a great show I haven't had the time to watch all six episodes, but I can't wait to do that, and I will be doing it soon. So if you're a fan of McCartney, you're a fan of the Beatles, or you just like a good rock and roll documentary, you got three hours to set aside, do it. Three two McCartney 321 on Hulu. Very well done. Good job. Rick Rubin, got to give him a lot of credit. He did a great job. And Rick, you know, and I almost wanted more of Rick Rubin to say, well, when I was working on those run DMC records, we did this. He he really doesn't do that. He really is there as a student of the Beatles and a student of music and a historian of music. And uh, uh, he, Rick Rubin was awesome on there, so I thought he did a really good job. And uh, uh, I know Rick Rubin does a podcast, too. I don't know what that's called, or he did for a while, anyway. Because I think he had Bruce on his podcast. I haven't heard that. But Rick Rubin did a real nice job. You know, Rick Rubin eccentric. He's got the big giant gray beard. He's he's shoeless. He's like in a t-shirt and like board shorts, hanging out with Paul McCartney in the mixing board. So, uh, but a really good look at the music of Paul McCartney. It's on Hulu. You should check it out. It's real good. Here's another thing you should check out. Again, something that Layla maybe wouldn't have interest in, but as a fan of Top Gear in the past, or now the Grand Tour. On Prime Video, there is now Clarkson's Farm. Jeremy Clarkson, the host of those shows, formerly host of Top Gear, host, co-host of the Grand Tour, and I believe Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in the UK. He opened a farm. He had a farm. He has a house. He has a farm. He farms it. He hires people to work on it. And it's a reality show. About the farm, and it's real, real good. I got to say, uh, 
I mean, I really think if you're a fan of Top Gear, you're a fan of uh, the Grand Tour, you should watch this because it really works in a lot of the same ways. Um, you know, much of this is Jeremy, you know, finding a weird solution for a simple problem, which is a lot of what makes, I think, those Grand Tour travelogues work. Um, you know, the air conditioning goes out and Jeremy, you know, Jerry rigs some sort of bizarre homemade air conditioner to go on his car as they're driving through Africa or something. I mean, you, you've seen those episodes if you know that show. And so here he is with a giant Lamborghini tractor, just for one example. And then the guys he hires are hilarious. This guy, Gerald, who builds walls, who speaks English, apparently, but it's such a weird country English accent, you can't understand the guy. And then Caleb, who maybe is the star of the show uh, in the times that he's on, a 21-year-old farmhand who Jeremy hires, and he, of course, putting Jeremy in his place because Jeremy doesn't know what he's doing. And so you sort of have that fish-out-of-water element with Jeremy and Caleb being the country rube who's very good at farming, yelling at Jeremy, putting him in his place, which, you know, nobody really does that to Jeremy. He's a big loudmouth. But here you have this simple country boy, Caleb, putting him in his place, and that chemistry between those two is really great. It's so funny. And I really enjoyed this show a lot. In fact, I haven't finished this one either. I think I got one left. But I think that's eight episodes, maybe, of Clarkson's Farm. Seven, eight. I think it's, I think it's eight. Um, yeah, it's on Prime Video. The whole thing's out. You should go watch this if you're a fan of Jeremy from those other shows. And again, hey, maybe you went like, I heard Top Gear's good. I heard Grand Tour's good, which they both are. And you're like, but I'm not really a car guy. I'm not into that kind of stuff. This might be the show for you. Because here's Jeremy being Jeremy, being the grump, gruff, and cranky old bastard that he is having to deal with farming. And it's really entertaining. And it's really great show. And especially, you know, and again, I don't maybe review shows in this manner a lot. But I will tell you if you're uh, if you enjoy uh, nice image and sound. It's a good show. You got your 4K surround sound out of that Amazon Prime. It's nice. I enjoy it. Good show. Clarkson's Farm on Prime. Uh, Let's go over. Let's talk about a movie here, and then I think we'll hit just a couple more things and get out of here. And there's some stuff uh, maybe we'll quickly review and talk more about it next time Layla's on. But, uh, you know, uh, HBO Max is putting out all of the Warner Brothers movies, the whole slate of Warner Brothers movies, like Godzilla vs. Kong, which I don't know if I ever reviewed, but that was pretty good. I don't know if you can still watch it on there. They, they, they're on for 30 days. They take them off, and then they come back a little while later, like, uh, you know, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, which was pretty bad. That left and came back, and then uh, something else just came back. I don't know. But I've been watching most of those. Tom and Jerry, I think that was pretty bad. Um, I watched a little bit of the Mortal Kombat movie, not much. <laughs> Look, I like that they're putting the movies on. I wish the movies were better. I know Space Jam, the second Space Jam, just came out 
last week and is getting terrible reviews. I never even saw the first Space Jam. I don't know. The sanctity of Bugs Bunny won't be ruined for me. No. I don't want any Bugs Bunny made after the 1950s. That, that's fine. It's ridiculous what they've done with him. But anyway. Their movie, one of the recent releases, is called No Sudden Move. You can still get that on there. No Sudden Move. Steven Soderbergh's film. Steven Soderbergh last year. Now, look, I blew it on my movie mania uh, worst movies of the year. Not to include Let Them All Talk, which was an HBO original movie with Meryl Streep and a bunch of people. Because that movie sucked ass. That was so bad. I mean, I know I reviewed it on the show. I think me and Layla talked about it and said how terrible it was. All shot on the Queen Mary. I'm going to make it sound good in my description, but don't watch it. It's awful. But uh, this is his follow-up to that's Crime Story. Shot, I believe, mostly, for the most part, in Detroit. I can read this Wikipedia, see if they've got anything on that. They don't really have a lot. But anyway, they shot a lot of it in Detroit. It takes place in Detroit. And uh, it's got an automotive espionage theme. It's a heist movie. Great cast. Soderbergh gets those good casts. You know what I mean? He made the, the Ocean's Eleven, the Ocean's Twelve, those kind of things. So here's your cast. Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro. They're sort of the criminals here, along with Kieran Culkin. And they're robbing David Harbour and his family. Uh with uh, working for crime lord Frank Capelli, as played by Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta's always good. And John Hamm is one of the detectives investigating the case. You also get Bill Duke in there. There is an uncredited cameo in this movie from a very, very big movie star. I will not say who it is, but he is a very big movie star. He has worked with Steven Soderbergh before, I believe. I believe he has, yes. And he is uncredited. So maybe that's a reason to watch it. Anyway, um, and Brendan Fraser, who nobody's seen in a million years. Brendan Fraser, he's right in the beginning of the movie. You want to know what Brendan Fraser looks like in 2020? The first five minutes of No Sudden Move will tell you. Here's a spoiler. <laughs> well, you might be wondering, what has Brendan Fraser been doing since we saw him last? Apparently, he's been eating. <laughs> Brendan Fraser looking real, real big, real swole. Not in the good swole. Kind of in the, he better take care of himself or he won't be around much longer swole. And, you know, granted that that's what Brendan Fraser is there to do in the movie. He is a big kind of tough guy in this movie. But, yeah, uh, boy, is he chubby. And I know a lot of girls had to think for him back in the mummy days and Encino Man. And I don't know if you have a thing for him now. But anyway, let's get let's actually review No Sudden Move because, yeah, it was shot in Detroit. I, I recognized an area kind of around six mile in Woodward, it looked like to me around the sort of the Palmer Park area there. There's a whole bunch of apartments. I forget what that's called. It's probably got a name. I don't know that name, but it appeared that they shot there. And they appeared, they shot in, in the, is it the Rosedale Estates? What's the name of that neighborhood? It's kind of a west side neighborhood, but a real nice older, a lot of old houses in there. 
And it looks like the Rosedale Park, that's the name of it, shot some of the stuff over there. And then there's, uh, you know, there's some other, you know, the GM building in uh, in New Center, I recognized as well. So, you know, they, they, they threw some Detroit stuff in there. They obviously shot here. And the characters go, I believe, at one point to Toledo, Ohio, Sandusky, Ohio, all within driving range of here in Detroit. Um, so, we, you know, look. Here's the thing. It is a heist movie. It is a crime thriller. It does have a bit of a twist, I suppose, by the end. And a MacGuffin, and we're all looking for this thing, which I won't ruin. But it is a thing that has to do with Detroit. Tangentially, I suppose, but it has to do with Detroit. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Now, look, I'm not saying this is a movie that everyone's going to like. Because me and Layla watched this, and Layla didn't like it. She was bored. She said, I don't know what's going on here. I think some of, I think the setting of being in the 50s and there being a lot of jargon and sort of mob stuff, she didn't really dig. I said to her, did you like this more or less than The Irishman? And she goes about the same. She really did not like The Irishman. She only lasted like the first hour of that thing. Um... But there's a lot to like here if you like cinema, if you like Soderbergh stuff. Uh, you know, I thought that Don Cheadle is just kind of, you know, Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro, to me, don't do anything they haven't done in every movie they've ever been in. Um, I thought David Harbour, who a lot of you guys will know from uh, Stranger Things, I thought did a real nice job in his role. And, you know, some of the, some of the you know, Ray Liotta was good. Um, it's not like anybody's bad in this movie, but, you know, it didn't. Nothing, nothing here is Oscar worthy, in my opinion. Um, I think it's been two weeks since I watched this. I've largely forgotten it. I'm, I'm trying to read the Wikipedia to re, uh, 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 remember some of these things. Apparently on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 90% fresh average rating of 7.6 out of 10. I'd go there. I'd go a nice seven out of 10 for this one. I think that's fine. I think that's a fair review. I think it's worth watching, especially if you got the HBO Max. Now, you could go down to your local movie theater, which is probably pretty empty nowadays. Pay a couple of bucks, watch No Sudden Move. Or you can get your HBO Max for 10 or 15 bucks a month. Or maybe it's free because you got an AT&T cell phone. Maybe it's free because you got that HBO internet or the AT&T internet, as I do. I have that AT&T internet. Or you got the AT&T phone. I hope I said AT&T phone, not HBO phone. I'm doing this very late at night, folks, just so you know. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it, it, you know, it's worth a look. It's worth a look. No sudden move. No sudden rush to go to the theater. Let's review it that way. Okay. <laughs> Let's stay on HBO Max with this next show. It's, again, only seen a few episodes of this. It, it debuted July 11th. It's called The White Lotus. It is a miniseries. Uh, it was written and directed by a guy named Mike White. You might go, do I know Mike White? Yeah, I guess. He wrote the screenplay for School of Rock. He wrote the screenplay for Nacho Libre. Uh... And he also, I think he was on a series. I'm reading his Wikipedia now. He was on a, in a season of The Amazing Race. That's right. Him and his dad 
I think, ran the Amazing Race together. And he he broke out with a movie called Chuck and Buck from 2000. So he's been around for about 20 years. And he made this. this now, here's the premise of The White Lotus. A bunch of people go to Hawaii on vacation. They're all strangers. Well, there's a, there's a family. Then there's a newly married couple. There's a woman, a sort of a middle-aged woman, played by Jennifer Coolidge, who is kind of kooky, and you don't really know what's up with her. And they're all at this resort in Hawaii called the White Lotus, which looks incredible, by the way. According to the, the show's credits, it was shot at the Four Seasons in Maui, I guess, somewhere in Hawaii. But it looks cool. I mean, that, that looks like a great hotel to hang out in. I don't know if they shot the... Uh, the interiors there, like the the hotel suites, because a lot of it takes place in those. Um, but I mean, clearly the grounds and the beach and that is, is the real hotel, and it looks amazing. So, um, yeah, I really like this show. Now, here's the here's here's how you would review this show: <laughs> white people in paradise with problems. That could be a a sort of a one line review of this show. Yeah, there is a black lady that's on the show. She's one of the hotel workers. And again, two episodes in, I don't feel like she's going to get a real major storyline here. Maybe we'll see uh, coming on. But but really it is. And then there are some Hawaiians, some Pacific Islander Hawaiian natives that have small roles in this. But largely it's white. It's white folks. It's white people with problems. That's what it is. And, you know, like the family. OK, so Steve Zahn plays the dad. And he's having issues. He's having a little bit of a crisis. His wife is played by Connie Britton from, what, Friday Night Lights and Nashville. And you probably know Connie Britton, American Horror Story, that first season. She was on there. And she's the wife. And their kids, they got a couple of kids. Sydney Sweeney plays uh, the daughter, their daughter. You might remember her from Euphoria. And... uh I don't know what else to say about Sydney Sweeney, except for maybe check out her Instagram or something like that. Or if you remember Euphoria, you may remember some. She did some memorable scenes in Euphoria. Let's just say that uh, Sydney Sweeney, but uh, the young actress. Um, but anyway, uh, and then the, the married couple is Jake Lacey and Natasha Rothwell. I don't know that I've seen Natasha Rothwell in a lot of stuff. But uh, she's good. And, of course, Jake Lacey plays the boyfriend in every single fucking thing ever made. Uh, but he's in his 30s now. So now he's the sort of the uptight honeymoon guy. And uh, there's actually something that they'll reveal in the very first two, three minutes of this show. And then I guess we're going to wait for the run of these episodes <laughs> to see it play out. How many episodes is this? Well, they've only aired two. And there might only be six. I don't know if there's six or more. Might only be six. So um, so you can wait a couple weeks and try to watch these all in a binge if you want. But I really enjoy the show. I think uh, they're definitely building up to there is some tension going on with everybody. Everybody's on edge. The, the husband, Steve Zahn, seems like he's going to get into some nonsense. The, the daughter, uh, Sydney Sweeney and her friend, they're up to no good. Jennifer Coolidge, the kooky lady. Not sure what she's doing, but she's running around with... Uh, uh, you know, getting massages every day from this this masseuse. That's the black lady I was referring to earlier. And we're not sure where she's heading. And so this whole thing looks like it's all converging to something. 
and I don't know what. But I guess that's why you stick around. And Mike White, you got me. You got me watching this. White Lotus. I think Layla's enjoying this one, too. So we'll, we'll update you on White Lotus as it goes along. All right. Maybe we can do some one-line reviews here. Anything else we should talk about? Didn't see Black Widow yet. Uh, planning on watching it, but haven't gotten to it yet. Um, you know, Marvel, not my favorite thing. In fact, speaking of Marvel, Loki. Haven't finished that yet. Watched four of those. I think there's only six, so... Pretty close to finishing that one. And uh, probably the weakest of the Marvel shows that they've released on Disney Plus to this point. I think it's the third one, and it's the weakest. And uh, what else? Maybe we'll hit the rest of this with Leda. Yeah. I think by the time you hear this, Ted Lasso would be back on Apple TV Plus with season two, at least the first episode or two. I'm looking forward to that. If you didn't have a chance to see Ted Lasso, and you've got the Apple TV Plus, or you, even if you don't, go get the Apple TV Plus because you can watch season one of Ted Lasso, which you're going to want to see if you're going to watch season two. All right? That's a good show, Ted Lasso, and it's coming out soon. So go watch that, all right? Go watch that. Go watch those other shows. White Lotus is good. What can I tell you? I got to go. About to cough up something here. I don't know what. I was teaching comedy class to teenagers today. Oh, my God, what a nightmare. It's another story for another day. But I did that. I think my voice is shot. So I should go. But, again, check out Vito Tomaselli. What he's up to. One Gimmick World. Put the links over on JoelRadio.net. Thanks to Vito for doing the show. What a great dude. Enjoy talking wrestling with him today. I'm also on the Comedy Castle podcast this week, so go listen to me on that. Or It was actually last week, but you'll find it. Go to Comedy Castle podcast. Scroll down. Big picture of me. Can't miss it. Talking to Tom McCarthy. Fun interview. Go listen to that. Well, we'll catch you next time. Layla will be back. Maybe we'll talk a little more about the Bill Hildebrand Memorial. We'll talk about what me and Layla are up to. We're doing some fun stuff coming up. Hopefully you'll hear that. Hope everybody's having a good summer. Thanks for tuning in to Joel Radio. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.